Hey, what's up, everyone? Darius here with Brands, Bibles, and Better Ways, where we take a look at brand story and strategy, the Bible and its role in culture and leadership, and better ways we can begin to handle the things we must think about and do over the course of our lives. Now, if you haven't been living under a rock for the last five years, you know that America's history is a part of a lot of conversations right now with many different positions and perspectives on who America was or who she is, who she was, so on and so forth. And so today, I figured the best way to begin to unpack that is to go back and actually talk about how we approach history, because um, where you start is ultimately probably going to influence where you land. So I have with me today, David Barton. He is the founder of Wall Builders, an organization dedicated to presenting America's forgotten history, you know, really preserving it and talking about the heroes uh, of the past who we often look over. And uh, in addition to being the founder of Wall Builders, David is an author, he's a husband, a uh, father, and notably, he's a possessor of over 120,000 different documents that precede 1812. Um, and most notably, re re most recently, he wrote the book, The American Story, which he co-authored here with his son, Tim. So David, what is a better way for Americans to begin to think about the history of their country. You know, there's a couple of principles I throw out. And by the way, Darius, kudos to you for, for even raising the issue because that's really important to raise the issue. Um, we live in a time where the people are, are really motivated by their own, their own desires, their own goals, their own objectives, and not as much by truth. This is an interesting time in our history. Uh, truth means less today or absolute truth means less today. It is more individually interpreted. And so people can pick and choose their truth. And that's not necessarily a sound way to have things, especially when you're doing history. So with history, there's, there's some things I can point back to that are a good starting place. Uh, one is, especially because of where we are today, I would go back to, if anybody practices federal law, there is a multi-volume set called Federal Practice and Procedure. And that tells you how to practice federal law in the federal courts if you're an attorney. And it's interesting that, Volume 30 of that set is talks about evidence and, and what kind of evidence you use to establish truth. And there's about 20 verses in there that talk about the history of America and literally how the Bible is what created what we call our due process clauses. Uh, the, the fact that we can confront our accusers, the fact that we can compel witnesses on our behalf, those all come out of Bible verses. Uh, one is John 8:10, where it talks about confronting your accuser. But the other one, and this is the one I want to hit on with what you asked, Darius, is it's Proverbs 18 and 17. It says, one side sounds good until the other side comes and cross-examines. And so it's like, if you ever get chosen for a jury, you're going to hear the prosecution make their case. And when that case is done, everybody you know, will want to give lethal injection to everybody we hear about. And the other side is the defense side. And after the defense is done, we want to turn everybody loose because nobody committed a crime. So what the jury has to do is listen to both sides and say, here's where truth is. We have to come to what lines up with the facts, what lines up with the testimony, what lines up with the eyewitnesses. That's where we have to go. And, and that's the first way you have to approach history is don't just pick a side that you like. Don't just choose one side. Be willing to listen to evidence on both sides and then be like a good juror and say truth is the most important thing. Now, having said that, one of the most interesting ways to find truth is to go back to older American history books, uh, because we do live in an age where the truth is kind of everybody's interpretation. 
that was not always the way it was in America. I mean, you may not like everything, but we believed in objective truth. And so, for example, if you go back and read an American history book prior to 1900, you'll find it filled with so many heroes, black heroes of American history that we've never heard of today. And it's like, well, how come we talked about it back then and we don't now? Is it because they didn't exist back then? No, they clearly did because they're in our history books. We don't hear that now. And so I same if you, if you pick a history book from the 1920s and looked at what we were teaching about so many things, the American founding or, or the pilgrims or Jamestown or anything, it's a whole different view from what we get today. And it's not that anybody's discovered new information. Oh my gosh, that stuff all happened three, 400 years ago. But it's the way that we spend things today. So those are two things I would throw out is be willing to look for both, both sides and go for truth, not just what you want, go for truth, and then read older stuff where they didn't have agendas at that point in time. They're simply reporting what occurred. Now, off the top of your head, what are some of those um, publications we can begin to maybe research or try to find and get possession of? You know, it depends on what, what topic you want to go to. Uh, for example, there were, if, if Civil War is your thing, there were some great books done about Abraham Lincoln right after he died in 1865. And those books in 1866 are filled with people who knew him, who talked about him, who, who talked about what he did. And so if you'll go, there's a, a great site. Google Books is all the public domain books, which means they're, they're not in print anymore. But books.google.com and look for biography of Abraham Lincoln or whatever. And pick one from back in the day when shortly after he lived, when people knew him, were talking about him. Um, if you want to do something on black history that we don't see today, I would go back to 1851. There was a book by William Nell called The Colored Patriots of the American Revolution. And oh my gosh, the, the heroes there, they're just phenomenal. And then there was a book done in 1876 by a guy named Joe Wilson, who was a black hero from the Civil War. And it's called The, the, um, Color, the Service of Colored Soldiers in the Wars of 1776, 1812, and the Civil War. And he's got hundreds of heroes. And we've never heard about many of them today at all. So if that's it, if, uh, you know, if you're wanting to look at the early founding and go back to the writings of the governors uh, of the pilgrims and, and see what they did. They're the guys who started the free market system. They, they were the first people in America to oppose slavery. They were the first people in America, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to allow people to elect their leaders in both church and state. They're the first people to have treaties with the Native Americans because they never took land without buying it with a title deed. I mean, they're just great people. And so if you, depends on where you want to get into, but books.google.com, you can search for titles, you can search for eras, uh, you can search for topics and look for old titles because they'll bring up new titles and old titles. But if you're looking for Abraham Lincoln, don't, don't take a book from, from 1960, take a book from 1860, you know, take something from back in the day. Got it. Note it and note it. And I'll share that. Um, Second to last question, what is a better way to begin to understand American exceptionalism? Because that's a term that people, you know, so in your perspective, a better way to understand American exceptionalism. You know, that's a great question, Darius. And this is a hard one for us today because there's two sides on this. One side considers that to be a pejorative. And so there's a bunch of books out by current modern academic professors call the myth of American exceptionalism. And they'll just go ballistic. If you say America's a special nation, they'll say, no. I mean, we've, we've had debates with professors who say America's done more evil than she's ever done good. And that's the position they hold. But at the same time, there's more to it. And there's a reason that people 
from all over the world want to come to America and they don't come to other nations. You know, we got people lined up at our borders by the millions and that's not an issue that Iran's having. It's not an issue Mexico's having. Mexico only sees them because they're coming through Mexico to get the United States. You know, that, that's not an issue that, that other nations. So why do other people look at it? So a question would be, okay, how do other nations see America? Instead of how our professors see us, how do other nations see us? And if you look at it from anywhere else in the world, America is where everybody wants to come. Now, why would that be? Well, for one thing, we had one revolution back in 1776, and we haven't had another revolution since then. We had a civil war. So let's say there's one war in, in the last 240 years. Most nations average a violent revolution overthrow in their nation every generation. So that would say we should have had seven or eight major internal civil wars in America. We've only had one. All right, let's say, okay, we've had 234 years under our constitution, and yet the average constitution in the history of the world is 17 years. So if you lived in South Korea, you've already had six constitutions since they became a nation back in 18, 1948. Uh, if you live in a place like France, they've had 15 constitutions while we've had just one. Wouldn't it be nice to live in a place that's stable, that doesn't have revolutions every generation, that doesn't have a new constitution every 17 years? And by the way, wouldn't it be nice to live in a place where that in America, if you live in poverty, according to world standards, your lifestyle is higher than the middle class in Europe. So even the poor in America are better. See, the rest of the world, the, the standard for poverty in the rest of the world is $2 a day. The World Bank sets that standard. That's $730 a year. Oh my gosh. Poverty in America, we're talking somewhere in the 20 to 30 to 40,000 a year range as opposed to $730 a year, which is the rest of the world. So one way to see American exceptionalism is to look at it from the eyes of those who know what America is on the outside and not from the critics on the inside. Uh, and, and there's a lot of ways to do that. Just look at the rankings of America with so many things and you'll come to recognize, you know what, despite all the bad stuff I'm hearing, we're not as bad as I'm told we were because everybody wants to come here and even the people who don't like America, they never leave. You know, they still live here and criticize it. They don't go anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So even those who don't like us want to be here. It's kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, Mr. Barton, thank you for helping us consider better ways to think about American history, how we look at it and talk about it as citizens, and a better way to begin to think about American exceptionalism. Thanks, Darius. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for helping educate others on just thinking. That's great stuff. Bless you, bro. Thank you.